We started this, this whole series from a premise that God has a dream. That God has a dream and we see it woven all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. But I think it culminates when Jesus is sitting down with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has been this wicked thief of an individual. I kind of picture him like being in the mafia, you know, he's just a little small, you know, Italian, he's Jewish. Anyway, looking guy. And, uh, and, um, and Jesus has come to his house and everyone's mad that Jesus has gone to this wicked guy's house. And as Jesus is interacting with him, he becomes convicted and he recognizes that Jesus is the savior. And in his conviction, he repents. And he says, God, any, Jesus, anyone I've stolen from, I'll return back, I'll, I'll return back three times as much to them if I take it. And half of what I've got, I'll give to the poor. And Jesus, in response, says, salvation has come to your house. And then he makes the statement. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I believe that's the dream of God. I believe the reason why we have had this divine encounter with the Lord after our lives have been secured in him is that we now have purpose to fulfill Jesus' purpose to seek and save that which is lost. That's the God dream. And I believe that the way, I kind of got this little formula that I threw out to us. So it's kind of like Jesus dying on the cross made a pathway for all humanity to come back to the Father. You take that, Plus you take the church, which is what he established. He didn't establish orphanages. He didn't establish Christian banking systems. He established his church on the earth. That's you and me. So you take Jesus' work on the cross, the church that he left to bring in the great harvest, plus the resources of heaven, and that will equal God's dream being fulfilled. And that is that we would seek and save that which is lost. That's kind of the formula how I see it played out. And what we did was in the opening of this, we studied this passage out of Matthew chapter 25 and we got down to the nitty-gritty of where Jesus actually shows this parable where the master talking about God the Father had left or Jesus has left but he's left in charge his servants and to each one he gave a resource a, an amount of resources to one he gave one to one he gave two to one he gave five and when he returned he expected something to have happened with those resources the one who had had five turned it into ten the one who had two turned it into four the one who had one was scared, he said. And he went and hid it. He went and hid the master's resources. And you would think that that would be okay, but actually the master said, you are wicked and you are lazy. And he says, take this worthless servant and throw him out into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But take the one resource entrusted to him and give it to the one with the five. And then he makes a statement. Because... If you've been faithful with little, you can be ruler over much. Some of us in this room, you have little resources. But all of that is an opportunity to prove to God that you can be trusted with more. And so what we wanted to do in this is kind of identify some of the biblical understanding of resources. What resources would God entrust to us as Christians who follow his son Jesus? The first resource that we looked at a couple weeks, weeks ago was money or finances. 
That is a resource. Money is not, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. The love of it is evil. And the Bible is very clear. If we'll seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, that he'll take care of us and add all these other, all of our needs will be met. And so we, we literally went down through this concept of money and tried to figure out, Lord, if you won't trust me with a 10,000, Lord God, how can I be faithful with that? So Lord God, that can expand to you trusting me with 100,000, to expand to you trusting me with millions. I'm believing for you that as you learn to work the resources of money that you have, that God will say, look down, give them more. Look down, give them more. They can be trusted with more, can trust it with more. They won't own it for themselves. Listen, friend, if you can't be faithful to tithe 10%, why would God give you millions and millions and millions of dollars? If you can't tithe off the, you know, 80,000 you make a year now, why would he ever entrust you with millions and millions? And everyone says, well, when I get rich, I'll, do, I'll give to, I'll help you. No, you won't because you won't do it now with little. That's the whole thing that we're trying to learn. That if we can learn to be faithful, if we can, and, and, he, and the Bible says each according to their ability. And what happens is we all think when we first read that, that this one had more ability than this one, that they were just born with ability. You're not born with ability. You, you, you educate yourself and you grow your ability as you're faithful to something. Like none of you were born being able to read and write. You had to develop that. You became able by working the giftings that were upon your life. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And so as you learn to work money for kingdom business and being faithful with the little, he's going to reward you with much more, as the Bible says. In fact, if you want to learn more about how to handle the money of resource with investments and things like that, uh, Jack Clark will be doing a seminar, is what we call many seminars, uh, this coming Saturday, right here at the Cedar Hill campus in our auditorium. It's free of charge, and uh, he's someone that I greatly trust, and he's, he's, he's godly. Uh, he's, you know, a, a, a former, you know, investment uh, person, and so forth and so on. And so, I, it's great, you can sign up free. You can go on our website, or you can just show up either way. We want to train. And then last week, I love that we talked about the next resource that we see in Scripture, and that is time. Time is a resource. The older I get, the more I recognize it as a resource. Are you with me? Time is much more valuable at this stage of my life than money. Are you tracking? Say yes. Yeah. Not me yet. Well, you'll get there. I promise you. When you start crossing that 50 mark and you start can't get out of bed some mornings without crooking and cracking, you're like, Lord, give me more time. There's so much more left to be done. And today, if it's okay, I want to jump into a ne the next resource that I want to train you on and teach you on. And that is what I'm calling the heavenly tools. Everybody say tools. The heavenly tools. Our key scripture for today's teaching is taken out of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. If you'll look there with me quickly, if you don't have a Bible, then you probably have a phone and you can download the Bible app and track with us. If you don't have any of those resources, you can look on the screens and we'll put the scripture there. 1 Peter chapter 4, underline this, memorize this, make this a key verse in your life. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. For each one, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one of us should use whatever gift. I'm going to use that word gift and work it a little bit more in more of a modern day English term and use it more with the term tools. Uh, it, it, it's a gift from God that we are called to steward. I want to start with the first part of that and I want to break down the first thing it says in verse 4, uh, verse 10 of chapter 4 it says each one. Who's it talking about? Everybody. All right, I want to set you free from this wicked concept that somehow the person who is a professional minister is the one with all the gifts. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? 
There are those of us that God had need of us to pull us out of businesses, pull us out of other things, to administer the workings of churches. And that, I don't think that that person's any more valuable than a man or woman who is in different type of professions who love Jesus with all their heart. The gifts are for each and every one of us. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell yourself it's for me. Say it again. Say the gifts are for me. Some gifts you're born with. Some gifts you're just born with. They're in your DNA. God put them in your DNA. Other gifts come upon you at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll look at some of those. And then some gifts you develop as you go through your Christian walk as the power of the Holy Spirit begins to give it to you. And so each one should use. Let's take that next piece in that scripture, should use. Everybody say, should use. You know what the original Greek, when you break that little statement, should use down, do you know what the original Greek actually means? Should use. There's nothing deep here. All right. Every believer should use. When you and I are not using the spiritual gifts, the heavenly tools that have been entrusted to us, we are missing the mark on what God has intended for this earth. He has given us tools. He has given us giftings. They are from the Lord. You and I need to learn to work with the gifts that we should use them. Have you ever worked a job where half the people working aren't working? Y'all seen the construction out in front of the church? Drove by the other day. There's one little dude in the hole with the shovel and five or six guys just standing over it. And I thought, if I'm a manager, I thought, you are wasting money, time, and energy. Bro, you are smarter than standing over there watching one dude dig. You should be doing something with your life. That's my first thought. Like, what a way. Are you tracking with me? I wonder how often God looks down and goes, my, 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 my. My, 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 my. We're all watching the preacher. Hmm, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Doing a good job, preacher. Doing a good job. Keep digging that hole, bro. And I wonder how often you and I are supposed to be using the tool and we're standing around watching. We're a spectator instead of a participant. Each one should use whatever gift you have received. I don't want to break this, whatever gift you've received for just a little bit. The Bible gives us a whole listing of giftings. And as I understand it, basically gives those listings in two parts. There are two definitive passages of Scripture, and we want to look at each one of them. Two definitive passages of Scripture that kind of break down these giftings or these tools, if you will. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 6 and all the way through 8. And as I read these, if any of these you recognize, wow, that's something that's on my life. And, and it kind of bears witness. I want you to just shout out, yes! Okay? Now, it may scare your wife, but we'll own it, bro. Just go ahead and own it, all right? So Romans chapter 12, verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then prophesy whenever you can. Any yeses in there? There you go. Prophesy uh, whenever you can as often as your faith is strong enough to receive a message from God. If your gift is serving others... Then serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job teaching. If you're a preacher, yes! See to it that your sermons are strong and helpful. If God has given you money, yes! Somebody say it, please. Yes! Be generous. Are you wanting to? There you go. Uh, be generous in helping others with it. If God has given you administrative abilities... 
and put you in charge of the work of others. Take the responsibility serious. Those who offer comfort. There you go. Come on, sisters. I need to hear it. Yes. Offer comfort to the sorrowing should do so with Christian cheer. So I would identify these in the book of Romans chapter 12. I would call these more like job titles. So it doesn't really talk about the specific task. It just says if you're, if you have, if you're a preacher, then you should do it well. If you're, if you're a teacher, you should do it well. If, you, if, you have, if God should entrust you with money. It, it doesn't necessarily talk about the actual tool itself. It's talking about the job title, it seems like to me. And that's how I would connect it. Now, if you're here in our church, we're believing that you would step into your God position in the body of Christ. And so we have multiple serve teams. We got folks standing at the front. Have you ever walked up to a church and thought, they do not want me here? I have. I have. Looking at me the whole time, checking me up and down, like, I don't know if we want you. The greatest position, I believe, at times in this church are the people standing up front in front of this building outside in the rain and the cold and in the front door going, hey, thank you for showing up here. God bless you. Come on in. If you've got some gifting like that, you say, man, there's a couple times I've showed up here and I think they just missed it. I didn't get loved on. Then, friend, you are called to solve that solution. I'm going to tell you that right now. So what we've established at Hill City is serve teams, different serve teams that you can be on, different serve teams where you can use your gifting, your God tool to help help and bless others. And see, what I've learned, if you don't use it, that's what I've learned. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like, I remember how to do, back in the, and you're still talking about what you did 20 years ago. Like, that's great. It's like that dude sitting around talking about, you know, watching football, talking about what he did in high school. Bro, you can't even get off the couch right now, bend down without having a heart attack. All right, so that's great, but what you doing now? Are you with me? Say yes. And so, Here's what I want you to do. We're going to pull up a QR code. And what, if, you, if you haven't connected with a serve team, you say, I want to serve in some kind of capacity here at Hill City. Go ahead and pull out your phone. All you got to do is put your camera on it. And it'll bring you to a little kind of, kind of a little information piece. and give us a little bit of information about you. Give us your name, some stuff like that. We'll contact you. We'll get you serving, man. We'll get you using your gift. Because again, if you don't use it, you start to lose it. And we are in need of the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Every part doing its part. In fact, in this passage in Romans, it talks about how every one of us are part of the body. Have you ever thought about that? So when we all come together, all the parts come together, then we are like Jesus walking the earth. You might be his thumb. You might be his big toe. I might be his kidney. You might be a nose or a mouth. But when all, Mr. Potato Head, when all that comes together, then we look like Jesus in the earth. That's what he's talking about in Romans 12. And so if we're missing some parts, we look like a weird Jesus. We're Jesus without an arm. You know, we're Jesus without a nose. We're Jesus without, you know, a kidney to filter all the messy stuff. You say, I don't know why. I just end up counseling everyone who's messy. Kidney, that's what you are. Because kidneys pull out all the poison in the blood. Are you tracking? Say yes. And so that brings me to the next set of, if you will, giftings or tools. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we probably refer to these a lot of times as preachers and teachers as the power tools or the power gifts, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7 through 10. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Give give me a yes if you feel like you got any of these when we call them out. To each one is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Anybody feel like you have that? Yep. All right. To another, the message of knowledge. Yeah, by the same means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. A gift of faith. Amen. Same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. 
Well, a couple of you got a little nervous about that. He's going to make me pray for people. Uh, gifts of healing by, by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Yes! To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another, the interpretation of tongues. And again, I might refer to thee as power tools. And so I brought my toolbox today. And um, I, well, I brought one of my four toolboxes today. And I want you to notice that it's dirty. Because it gets used. I just want to ask you, how many of your tools are actually getting used? Are they sitting in a box? You know, they're the baseline tools. You know, you got, your, you got the old hammer. You got your baseline piece. And one of the key things that I want to happen in this teaching today is first and foremost for you to recognize that God has given you a toolbox full of tools. They're there. And I think that maybe... Some of you came from places where you just didn't get taught well or you haven't read the Bible enough to recognize that these tools, they're for you. And, and, and he's given them to you. Yes. And, 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 and if you never open the box and you never pull out and use them for what they're meant to be used for. I mean, I have uh, every one of these tools have a specific job. Now, every now and then I'll find them laying around the house where my wife is using them in the wrong way. And I'm like, baby, baby, let's have some teaching on this, okay? And then I'll find butter knives in my toolbox. I'm like, why is this in here? Well, I had to screw something in. Well, just put it back in the cabinet. Don't put it in my toolbox. Well, it's a tool. It's not a tool. Not a tool like that. It's good for, you know, putting butter on your bread. But it's in the wrong spot. You're doing the wrong thing with this set of tools. And, you know, as I go through this 1 Corinthians 12... What I want you to understand, especially with the power gifts, and I, I picture the power gifts kind of like, you know, these ones that got real power. And when we're talking about words of knowledge, words of wisdom, I think for some of you, you have this concept that those gifts or those tools are the result of you being good. That they're a rewards plan. Some of you are living your Christian walk like American Airlines reward plan. You know what I'm talking about? You think you get to be priority because you've been in this thing longer than everybody else. And that you've flown around a little bit longer than everybody else. And you think that it's based on status or how much you've been around. Or, or for some of you, like, well, I haven't been around long enough, so I, I don't know. And, and you think you should get, you, you don't think you should get priority boarding. Well, others think I should have priority boarding. I, back in the day, I prophesied over someone. That's great. Back in the day. But this whole thing is not about a rewards plan. The fact that you said yes to Jesus, his Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. He brought his tools and he gave you his giftings, not for you. They're not for you. This is the breakdown. And what frustrates me so much is how quickly we elevate some dude who knows how to use a drill. <gasps> Look at him use the drill. Wow. I'm following him. I'm following him. Ooh, I'm going to repost about this. Everyone follow that guy who knows how to use his drill. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You've got power tools. You've got giftings and tools from heaven that are in you and upon you. And I want to liberate you today as your pastor. Use the tools. Use the tools. Open up the box. Don't wait for someone to validate you. Someone told me the other day, I've been waiting for someone to prophesy over me and tell me it's okay. Like, are you kidding me? He prophesied over you when you said yes. And he said, you're mine. Here. Here's the tools. Do what needs to be done. But, you know, 
It's amazing how quickly we forget the need of the tools. I don't do a lot of Christian television watching, but I have met a man named James Robinson. He has a, a Christian television prog program. Uh, I think it's off Daystar. And uh, a really influential, great man, and phenomenal man of God. And he sits there and he interviews people on his show with his wife. And they're just phenomenal. Anybody know who I'm talking about, James Robinson? Phenomenal man of God. Well, James Robinson, back 100 years ago, he was young and vibrant and married for a few years. And uh, this, he was a Southern Baptist. And he was identified by the heads of the Southern Baptist Convention as being the next Billy Graham. He was an evangelist. He, he would fill up stadiums. And um, one particular night, he had had this conference meeting with hundreds and hundreds, thousands, I believe, of people. And that night afterwards, he went back to his hotel. And he was in his hotel room, and he gets a knock. And there standing before him is a little simple man. And the man says, sir, are you James Robinson? And he said, yes, yes, I am. He said, God sent me to warn you about you. He said, I'm sorry, how did you find my room? Who is this weirdo who's following me to my... Because yeah, he's now becoming a big name minister. He's becoming a celebrity minister. Which, shame on us for making celebrities out of ministers. We're all ministers. And so, and he, so he's got that feeling, like, oh my goodness. And he says, sir, I'm sorry to, to embar uh, maybe embarrass you, but I have a word from the Lord for you. And then this man pulled out a power gift and he began to prophesy to him. He said, the Lord showed me that you have become addicted to porn. And here and now, the Lord would tell you, if you will humble yourself and repent, that he'll save your ministry and he'll save your wife and your marriage. And James said he fell down on his knees in that hotel room. And here's this little obscure person that nobody knows, doesn't have a big name ministry, prays with him. Everything shifts. Everything shifts. From that point forward, he was like, I want to know about these tools. How did this man know this about me? Nobody knows the man's name. Nobody's writing books about this guy. That man just simply used the tool that was in the box and transformed hundreds of thousands of lives in one moment of obedience with that tool. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Last summer, the summer before, I was doing this big young adult conference. <clears throat> when you don't see me, I'm ministering somewhere, by the way. I was doing this big young adult conference and um, I preached the word and, and uh, gave a call for ministry and we were ministering and, and many times when I do that I'll just stay on the mic and I'll just begin to pull out the power gifts and I'll just begin to use them. <clears throat> and I begin to give prophetic words and as the Lord was showing me. And the Lord gives me this word and I don't want to say it. Because <clears throat> they're going to run me out of here especially when I miss this one. <clears throat> And if you haven't used the tools long enough, then you haven't, you don't know, if you haven't used the tools, then you don't know what it is to look stupid when you mess up with the tools. And so you live in constant concern, like I want to do it right. And so I'm standing there and I get this word. And so I just, and the Lord keeps saying it, say it. I'm like, no, nah, that's not you. That is not you. And finally, I can't take it anymore because he's just convicting me so deeply. And I said, and one last thing. Come on, give another word I got to say. And uh, so that there's someone in this place. Um, you are torturing little animals. And the Lord says, he sees you. He loves you and he wants to set you free before the plan of the enemy is able to be enacted. 
Now, I'm going to tell you how intimidated I was at speaking that word or using that tool. I just went on to the next. I think mean, some of you need prayer for uh, healing in your ankle. <laughs> I wasn't going to get, show me a show of hands. Who is that? I didn't want to know who it was. I didn't want to deal with it. I just was like, and I'm gone, you know. I turned it on and cut the board and walked away. And um, <clears throat> so about an hour and a half later, we've been done for about 30 minutes. I'm standing outside with the leaders of the organization about to get in the car, and they're just young adults everywhere. They're hanging out, food trucks, blah, 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 blah. And this guy walks up to me, and he's about 23 years old, and he looks like he is out of an H&M, H&M catalog. I mean, he is, he's cool. He's, 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 he's chiseled. He's fit. He works out. He's good looking. His parents have money. I mean, you just, he fits the bill, right? I'm profiling him. Like, you know? And uh, he goes, hey, I want to thank you for what you said tonight. It changed my life. And I said, uh, well, what did I say? I said, a lot. And he goes, no, the thing about torching the animals. He goes, that's me. And I'm looking at this kid because I expected, you know, I expect, I mean, someone who, I expected that kid, you know that kid who's doing it, like, like, he ain't that guy. And I'm like, what? Like, and uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, and then he started opening up, he starts weeping. He goes, I've been doing that since I was 16. He goes, I have planned to be the next great serial killer. I've been stalking two women and planned on doing something like that. He goes, but I gave this conference, this meeting, one last chance to see if God was real. And then you shared that, and I went and found a leader, and they prayed and cast, pray, pray for me and cast demons out of me. He goes, I'm free, sir, and I want to thank you. I don't know about you, but I watched Dateline, so I started having these things in my mind like, like this guy could have been the dude. Like, I like that comedian said, only white people are uh, serial killers, you know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> I'm like, this kid, but God. Everybody say, but God. Because you used the tool. Because I used the tool. Because I just used the tool. Not because I'm a great tool user. Because I just used the tool when he told me to use the tool. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. We've got a sweet young lady who here at the Cedar Hill campus. She runs our cafe. Her name is Malia. And Malia is a senior in high school running our cafe. Uh, Malia started running our cafe a few months ago because everyone else who was running our cafe did it because I asked them to, not because they were called to it or gifted at it. They're like, ah, we love you, Pastor Adam, we'll do it. I'm like, we got to give these people coffee. Have you seen how mean they are? I cannot preach to them if they don't have caffeine. I'm just telling you. They can't do it. They can't handle it. And uh, some, of, some of you better say amen because I see why. Like, Hold on, I'll be right back, Pastor. I got I to get my coffee. I don't even have it yet. <laughs> Clenched up. And little Malia, little Malia out of Romans 12, she has the gift of administration. She walks up, she takes over as, as, as a senior in high school. And she's telling everybody what to do. Bing, bang, boom. Things are getting ordered on time. She's sitting down with the leadership going, I think we could remodel this and we could rework this. And she pulls out a PowerPoint presentation on how we could rework this and rework that. And they start telling me about it. I was like, where has this girl been for five years? <clears throat> We're getting better in that area of serving you because we found someone with that gift. Yeah. 
using that gift. Are you tracking with me? And she's so happy. She's so sweet and so nice. And you know, listen, being nice to you when you're mean is very difficult at the coffee shop. I'll just tell you that right now. Because you come in grumpy and you know, they don't get it exactly right. And you're like, I gave you $5 for this mess? Like, are you kidding me? It's like it goes to missions. I don't care where it goes to. It ain't going down. I ain't drinking it again. <clears throat> so to see that they can handle that, she's able to handle that. It's just fun. A gift. Everybody say gift. She's using her tool to advance the kingdom of God. It may not sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal. It's a big deal to you when you come here on Sundays and, and that thing's working. And so with that being said, I just want to kind of give you some keys to developing, if you will, the heavenly tools. Because if you don't, if you don't know how to work them, then you'll never use them. So my, my opening was, I was hoping you could get the, un, the understanding that he's given every one of us these tools. Every one of us. I don't know why you think that the person who's more holy has tools that you don't have. I don't know why you think that the one who prays more and is a professional Christian, you're like, dude, I'm barely saved. I, I'm still trying to keep my marriage together. You have tools. He gave them to you. They're a gift. They're, you didn't earn them. You can't earn them. They're not a reward package because you've been so faithful. They are gifts. He calls them gifts. But they have a purpose, a very clear purpose. And so I want to start into that. So here's some keys on how to develop you using these tools and being and, and developing these uh, heavenly tools in your life. Number one, and that is you've got to get the motive right. You've got to get the motive right. What's the motive? We just read it in that first Peter passage. To serve others. To serve, that's the motive. See, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of making excuses for selfish Christians that have great tools, and that we, and, but, they, but they use it for their own self-edification. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just tired of going, well, listen, he's a good brother, I promise you. <laughs> Y'all don't post about him. Oh, I'm just so tired of that. I, I mean, if, if we don't get this right, I believe the reason why we don't have the, the, the outpouring of the Spirit of God in this crazy revival that we all know is coming is because the believer doesn't know how to use the tools. And I believe it's because we, if we don't get the motive right, then we'll keep propagating brokenness. And so every time we elevate these guys that are self-serving with their giftings, and we say, look at them, look at them, and the whole time they're like, like for example... If one of your tools that you're really called to is healing, then why do you need to start a healing ministry, have all the Christians come to your conference so you can lay hands on them and just keep propagating that so that you can start a website and buy an airplane and be important. If you've got a healing gift, go to the cancer ward where little babies are dying of brain tumors. Why, why does anyone have to, why do you have to be elevated in the body of believers and say, look at their healing gift, it's a tool. That lady sitting right there has got the same tool. You've just had more practice at it. That's all it is. And you've somehow gotten spotlight. Look at me use the drill. I watch these guys DIY stuff on TV. I'm like, you don't even know how to use that drill, dude. Have you ever watched these guys? It's like anybody who really knows how to use the tool is watching this, these little couples. We flip this house and we do this. It's like you stand there in front of the camera. You walk away and then the, all the real carpenters come and build the house. Yeah, I'm just tired of that. Why do we keep promoting these guys? Because they can get in front of the TV. Jesus has given you gifts. Get the motive right. 
Get the motive right. If you get the motive right, everything else will work itself out. Are you with me? Say yes. I want you to look in the book of Acts chapter 8. The early church recognized wrong motives immediately and let's see how they dealt with it. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 9, uh, the Lord has used, the, the, there has been this great dispersion. Uh, there has been persecution in Jerusalem. So the Christians literally flee to all the surrounding towns and cities and areas and they're fleeing and they're, and they're trying. And so as they get out there, one particular one, Philip goes down to Samaria, which is half Jews, half Gentiles bled in together and the Jews don't consider them real Jews and blah, blah, blah. And there's all this kind of stuff. He goes down there and he starts ministering and break out and it breaks out in revival. Healing, supernatural miracles are happening as Philip, who's not even an apostle, by the way, just to point that out for cessationists. He is, he, he is just a, a normal dude that they have picked to help with the, with the giving out of widows, but he's become a leader because he's ministering powerfully amongst the people like Stephen was. And so in verse, let's pick up verse 9. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracle and the miracles that he saw. So picture this. Philip comes down. He's ministering in this city. Miracles are happening. The biggest, most famous person in the city, the guy who works magic in the city, sees what's happening. He gives himself to Jesus and he starts following Philip around because he just is astonished at all these blind eyes are opening, you know, deaf ears are opening, arms are growing out, miracles are happening. When the church in Jerusalem hears that there's this miracle stuff happening in Samaria, they send, they send Peter and John down because like, look, like, all right, so these are our leaders. Let's send them down to see what is this breakout stuff. We don't want any kind of false stuff happening there. And when Philip and John get there, they recognize that these people have all given themselves to Jesus. They've all been water baptized, but they've not been in power with the Holy Spirit yet. So they start laying hands on people to receive the baptism or the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pick up in verse 20, verse 18. It says, and when Simon saw that the Spirit was giving at the laying on of the apostles, hands he offered them money and verse 19 and said give me also the ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit now let, let me ask some why did he why was he more astonished about people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit than he was about the miracles that were happening why didn't he offer Philip money back earlier why did he why did this mark him more because because people's lives are being touched but they're being transformed when the power of the Holy Spirit comes in their life and he's like, they're not even the same person anymore. This, they made a decision. Yes, they made a commitment and a vow to God to serve Jesus Christ. And yes, there are miracles that God's doing. But now these guys become the miracle workers as the power of God begins to flow through them. So he says, I want to give you money. I'll pay anything I have to because I want to have that ability. Are you still with me? Say yes. And look how Peter answers him in verse 20. May your money 
perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Exclamation mark, which means it's intense. Verse 21, you have no part or share in this ministry and look why. Because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. And then he qualifies what Simon's real issue is. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. This man's a believer. He's a follower of God. He's been in the ministry for however many days or weeks with Philip. Following him around as his assistant. Whatever he's been doing. But there is bitterness inside of him. And because of that bitterness, it leads to what we see is selfish ambition. But the root of it is bitterness. I want people to like me. I want people to know me. I don't know if when he was, let's, let's suppose a few things. Maybe when he was a child, he, uh, maybe, maybe his mom and dad abandoned him. Maybe his dad never validated him. Uh, maybe when, when he was young, you know, in elementary, he never got picked at PE for any of the teams. But he had made something of himself as an adult and everyone validated him. And now he's lost that validation that he needed because of his bitterness, because of his root of selfish ambition inside of him. And so Peter recognizes it the moment he tries to buy this. Now, how many, come on somebody, how many big name ministries will sell out for a few bucks? Peter says, let your money go with you somewhere else. You have no part in this. Because the true motive behind all of this is to serve others. When you get the motive right, it'll fix a lot of other issues on why you don't move with the tools and why you don't work the gifts of God and helping others. When you get to the place, you say, I just want people not to hurt me more. God, what to, I don't know if you've ever sat there. I've sat there a hundred times a week and I'm looking in the eyes going, God, you got to fix this. This guy is going to quit. The enemy's got him by the throat. God, I, you, you got to give him a word. Like, you don't understand how often I look at you and go, I can't help them, Jesus. So I pray that you have dreams and visions, that you have prophetic encounters with the living God because I can't get you to serve God. I can't keep your marriages together. I can't keep you loving your teenager and your teenager loving Jesus and keep them from being tempted with all the porn and perversion and wickedness that's out there and all the confusion on identity and transgenderism and, and sexuality. And I, I can't fix all that. And so I pray, oh God, let there be divine encounters. with the, Give me a word for them. Give me a supernatural word word of knowledge for them. Give me something, Lord God, right here, right now, Lord, anything I can. Because the pain is real. And the problems are real. And all we've been doing many times as the church is just putting a band-aid over it instead of just digging down. And only the spirit of the living God can pull those things up. But he's given us tools and we don't even know how to use them. Start first and foremost. And you should start with saying, God, get my motive right, Lord, in everything I do. Do you know what Paul's motive was? I love how Paul said it in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. He says, I long... I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, working of miracles, your administrative gift, your preaching gift, whatever it may be. They're not so that you can be elevated. They're to help others to become strong, to build them up, to save them, to help. That's what these tools are for. And so many times we don't use them to build up, we use them to tear down. I got a hammer, bless God. Like what, I like what Jack said the other day. So we get on social media and we feel like we're going to fix it. Yeah. We're going to hammer them out. 
and you're 12 hours, what do you say, I was eight hours into this and all the guy did, ended up doing was blocking me. What a great point. I was like, because you don't really care about them. You care about trying to win an argument or trying to be the person. And this motive is the reason why some of us, I've got friends who don't believe in the tools, especially the power tools. And they don't believe in it because they've seen people misuse the power tools. Even the lost people know, why are y'all giving that person all your money? Like lost people are like, y'all crazy. Just because that dude, like, I don't even believe what he said is real. Because at some point, when the motive is wrong, guess what happens? The tool gets used wrong. And so what was supposed to build up and help people now becomes destructive to them. Oh, we get the motive right. It's just to serve. I just, Lord, you gave me this tool just to serve people, Lord God. It doesn't matter if they thank me for it. It doesn't matter if they like me. Doesn't, I just want to use the tool, Lord God, so that their lives can be changed, so that they can be helped. I don't even care if they ever say thank you, Jesus. No one's thanked this man who knocked on James Robinson's door. But didn't just save that man's life, but all the ministry that James Robinson would have been. What if James Robinson would have become the next Billy Graham in that kind of capacity, only to get busted in perversion? And how much more face, you know, punches to the face can Jesus take because his servants don't serve him properly? How much does the name of Christ have to be stomped on by the world because we don't represent him right? Thank God for that man using that tool. Brings me to point number two. And learning how to use these tools. Number, number two, embrace the humility of learning. Embrace the humility of learning. <laughs> Guys, it's embarrassing to learn to use your gifts. Because you're learning. And so then you think, well, I, you know, I've been a Christian so long, but I've never used these tools. I don't really know how to use them. It is awkward. And, and it's a, there's a learning curve. And it's, you're going to make mistakes. I want to just validate to you in front of everyone today. This is a safe place to learn. Hill City is a safe place to learn. Because see, if your motive is right, then people will be gracious with you when you don't do it right. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, when the little, the little, you know, all the little videos where the little kids trying to make mom and dad breakfast in the morning. He's got the little, spilling the milk everywhere and making a mess. They don't jump up and, I will beat you, you little dummy. They're like, oh, let's video it and go viral. Why? Because the motive was right. And even if they messed it up and didn't get it right, if their motive is right, it's when you can sense. People know motive, man. Lord's given us the ability to say, man, I can see the motive in there. It's not nasty. That's, that's gross, man. But when the motive is right, you, you're like, I don't, I, I don't know. I can't tell you how many parking lot prophecies I've had that were so far off. So far off. The Lord told me to tell you this, and they'll start telling me. I go, hmm. Love you, bro. Good try. Good try. Good try. And so we're all scared of that, making a mistake in that, or failing, or not doing it right. And that fear has, let, has held us in bondage from really using the tools to accomplish great things for God. And so we don't know how to use the tools because we haven't tried the tools because we're scared of messing up. And I just want you to embrace the humility of learning. So you know what, I'm just learning. I've been saying 40 years, so I've never prophesied before. So I'll never forget, you know, in our church that, that we grew up in, uh, the Jubers came there with, with me from Bethany. I mean, they moved here, same time we moved here. Big church at in Louisiana. I'll never forget, we laugh about this all the time. We would have these moments where prophecy would come forward in a sanctuary of 6,000 people, full of, full of people. I'll never forget one time this guy goes, Thus saith the Lord! All the music went, to hear what the Lord had to say. Quiet, 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 
quiet. The pastors start getting nervous and figure out who, which this guy. Like we need to take this guy out. He's over in the left section, section B7. You know, they're all doing that. And we're all like, quiet. It's awkward. And all of a sudden he goes, never mind. God didn't have nothing to say. He changed his mind. <laughs> so the worship leader's like, what do I do now? <laughs> the guy was learning. He's learning. It was embarrassing. But next time when he goes to say, thus saith the Lord, he's going to have something to say. I'm going to tell you that right now. He, he had to learn. But he didn't want to make it. He didn't want to mess it. I just appreciate that. Embrace the humility of learning. What I preach about every one of these small group leaders, they, they're just learning. They're, they're not experts. They're not theologians. They're not, they're, they, they may be struggling with the same stuff you're struggling with, but they just said yes. Well, yes, I'll use my leadership gift to help people. I'll, I'll use that. I'll just, Lord, I'm available. You, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And so embrace the humility of learning. You have to make mistakes to learn. When I was first on staff at our church in Louisiana, Big, big church like I just described. I was in prayer. I was in worship, man, one morning early, like 5 in the morning. I got up early. We were in a time of, you know, 21 days of prayer and fasting. I was reading through these passages of Scripture, and I felt like God gave me a prophetic word for our senior pastor. The Lord says revival's coming. It had stormed that night and was still storming that morning. The rain was just gully washer, just coming down. Pastor, I want you to know. So I, so I sent him an email. As the junior high pastor of this mega church who had the senior pastor's email address, I sent him this email. The Lord says, Pastor, if you'll get us praying more, if you'll do this more, God will send revival. And I'm giving him the wherewithal and how God wants to change the church if he'll just listen to my prophecy and be obedient to what the Lord told me to tell him. Because he doesn't hear from God, obviously. I hear from God for him. I'm trying to learn how to use the power gift. And so, and so I sent him this three-page prophecy. Thus saith the Lord from your 19-year-old junior high pastor. And so he was very sweet. He didn't respond. But a couple days later, the executive pastor pulled me in. And said, hey, I'd like to talk to you. You sent an email to the pastor. I said, yeah, revival's coming if he'll do this, this, and this. He's like, buddy, can I help you with something? I said, sure, sure. So he's so appreciative of you really trying to hear from the Lord. And, and, and we don't want to ever stifle your gift or what God's trying to use you in. But let's just talk through this a little bit. When you said this in that prophecy, what did you mean? Because it sounds like you're now trying to direct the pastor which way he should go, which is what the Lord does for our pastor. And he has a team of men and women around him that help guide the organization and you're not on that team because you've not matured to a place where you can be entrusted to be on that team. We love you. You're a young fireball. Oh, we're so proud of you. Woo. I'm so, he whooped me so good that by the end of it, I was like, thank you so much. I tell you, I'd never send another prophecy again through email. <laughs> At first, it, it kind of, it kind of, ah. I missed it. I'm a terrible person. I'm so grateful for the graciousness by which they approached me, though. Maybe you haven't always had that graciousness. Maybe people were just, just quick to cut you off, and so now you're scared to use the gift. You're going to make mistakes, and you're going to need correction. First time you used a power saw, I bet you didn't know what you were doing real well. First time you used a chainsaw, maybe didn't know what you were doing. 
And so you have to learn. It's okay. And it's okay to embrace right now, God, I will embrace the humiliation and, and I will overcome the fear because I'm going to learn it. What you don't want to do is be 30 years in Christianity and you still don't know how to use your gifts. Now's the time to start. Because what's happened is now you're scared that you should be something that, you're, that you haven't become yet. And so now you're fearful of people thinking, don't you know how to use this gift already? But Frank, can I tell you something? If we don't step up, the 12-year-olds are going to pass us. Because God's empowered them too. And they're not scared to look stupid. And so we've got to overcome that fear. Are you still with me? Say yes. Which brings me to number three. Say with me. Number three. Just a couple more. And, uh, and that is study everything and everyone who operates in that gift. I love how Jack said it the other day. Master your craft. Work it. Learn it. Study, study, study everything in the scripture. If you feel like if one of your yes when I was reading out those different gifts and those different job descriptions, you said a yes over it, then go study everything about that in Scripture. Study everything you can find about that. I so appreciate Nicole Clark because um, early on as she became a part of Hill City and, and as she, this gift of prophecy began to stir in her and she, as she explains it, it was real intimidating, you know, because she'd have these dreams and then her husband's very practical and analytical and trying to tell him, I feel like God's saying this and he's like, what, how does that work? And even, you know, engaging in the body of Christ. And so we really didn't have a training for that. And so she went out and sought out a very healthy group of people who have like these weeks and weeks of training on how to move in the profession the proper way and I'm telling you she has so blessed me oh my goodness I mean I'll never forget when she had a she had a word from the Lord during the in the middle of the pandemic on some things that we should we should try and she how she presented that to me you could tell she was being trained and and using her gift in the right way not to not to be harmful or, or you know and just trying to learn it and it just been such a blessing as she uses her gift and the, and the words that she gives people and they just all say, man, she's just changing my life when she, when she moves it. Find others even that are already skilled at it. You know, my pop, pop builds stuff. He's built stuff since I was a kid. And, um, and, uh, and so mom was laughing the other day. She's like, you're like pop now. You're building stuff. And I'm like, yeah, in fact, uh, we have a table in our green room uh, when people are over and we have meals together in the green room or we sit around it. And pop built that from the pews from Mansfield. He built it out of the pews from Mansfield. And because um, that old, you know, it's the oldest, it's the oldest church building in Mansfield is our Mansfield campus. And so he took those pews and he, and he, and he took them apart and he built us a table. It's beautiful. And so at, at uh, this past, um, after Thanksgiving, given, uh, I was talking to Pop, and he, he said, you're not going to believe he came over to the house. He goes, guess what I got on Black Friday sale? And I said, what? He goes, I got a brand new DeWalt drill. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it's more powerful and lighter. It's amazing. And so we're, he's looking at it, showing it off. He said it was 150 bucks. I got it for 100 And then they took my senior discount, and they took my military discount, and I got it for 80 bucks. And I was like, Pop, you stole from, you stole from them. You need to repent for stealing from Home Depot like that. And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, it's the Lord. He got me. He blessed me. He blessed me. I was like, good. And he goes, and while we were talking, he goes, he said, what do you want for Christmas while we're talking about Christmas stuff? I said, Pop, you know what I want? So I want your old drill. <laughs> I have my own drills. Sorry. <laughs> but I watch him build tables and houses. And how I know how to build stuff, I learned from watching him. Yeah. And so I don't always do it right, but I do it the way Pop did it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
you know, the battery doesn't hold life real well anymore. It's 100 pounds. <laughs> but, uh, but I keep it in my toolbox and I use it every time I can. Because I feel like when I'm using Pop's drill, I got Pop's power. <laughs> Elijah laid his hands on Elisha for a double portion. And so what I've learned to do over the years, I may not be good at a certain gift, but I know I want to move in that. And I feel like God has that for me. I will ask those that I feel like really know how to walk in that to mentor me or to coach me a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what you should do. Which brings me to the last piece. And that is, number four, teaching you about these tools. Use the tool. Use the tool. Prophesy in Walmart. Give a word knowledge on social media. Text your small group and say, look, I was just praying and I feel like, feel like I have this discerning thing. I'm learning this discernment gift and I feel like the enemy's trying to do this. I operated in that gift today. I had a discerning gift of what the enemy was trying to do to your marriages. And then I prayed with you about that. And I saw that wedge. It was a prophetic utterance. It was, you know, that gift at work. I didn't, I didn't draw you to myself. I didn't try to say, look how great the pastor is. Or I got a 17-point series on how you can fix your marriage. Just had a word from the Lord. And I wanted to be obedient with that to help you. To build you up. My motive was pure. It wasn't for my own, my own selfish, you know, you know, promotion. Use the tool. Pull it out. Work with it. Recognize you have them. Speak over people. You and I have the ability to change the world when we use the tools and help people's lives be different forever. One of the greatest by far speeches in the history of the United States of America is when Dr. King stood there, the National Mall, and he began to speak a truth. I believe it was a prophetic word from heaven. I don't believe it was the greatest written speech. In fact, if you know a little bit of the storyline, so powerful. Dr. King typically traveled <clears throat> with Mahaya Jackson. She was kind of like the worship leader. And uh, as Dr. King is bringing that speech, Mahaya is sitting behind him and she starts telling him, Tell him the dream, Martin. Tell him the dream. He wasn't planning on doing that. He, this is a big deal. The cameras are everywhere. National and international exposure. He's got a speech. And she's yelling behind him. Tell him the dream. Tell him what God said. Tell him the prophetic word. You can't listen to those words without having goose pimples go up. I have a dream. It, it, when he begin, it just his inflection in his voice. Every time I hear it, I, I, I buy into the dream. Why? Because it's a prophetic word from heaven. God was saying, I'm done with all of the wickedness in the earth. I'm done with it. I'm going to use a man to prophesy. So he pulls out the power tool and he speaks these words that haunt us today. When we see inappropriate behavior, when we see wickedness, we're like, no, that's not the dream of God. That's not what God intended. That's not his plan. Dr. King was just the vessel to speak God's word. He was just the dude. He's just the man. But God used this man. He used the tool that God gave him, and he spoke something over. I, I guarantee you barely remember all his other speeches. I've studied most all of them. 
But I can't get past those few sentences. Why? Because it's prophetic. He used the gift. Do you understand what one moment of using the gift, the tool of God, can do for a person's life? For the masses, but what about it's just for the one? Use the tool. Stand with me all across the room. You guys. Hey, everybody. Wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it. Consider it. Pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know. We want to know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.